Welcome back, everybody, to Tag Team, Pokemon TCG's premier podcasting duo. I'm JW Crewall, and with me today, not Riley, it's uh, Luke Morso. We're so happy that he's here on the program today. Uh, today is a little bit of a somber day. I feel kind of conflicted recording this tonight uh, because we just had a very prominent member of our community uh, pass away earlier this morning, and Jimmy Pendarvis. And uh, Jimmy was a friend of mine and a friend of a lot of people in the community and obviously a great player, um, but more so than that, a really great person. And this episode is dedicated to you, Jimmy. I just really appreciated um, our friendship and I hope wherever you are that you're okay, that you're doing well, and uh, just know that we all miss you. So uh, with that, welcome back to the cast. Everyone, thank you again so much for being here. If you're listening on um, your favorite podcasting platform, welcome on in. And we have Luke River Morsa. R Luke, is that actually your middle name? I don't think I yeah, know that. Yeah, um, if you know uh, who River Phoenix is, yeah. I was named after him. That's yeah. kind of insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Very good. Uh, well, we're so happy to have you on the cast. This is We don't often bring in a lot of guests, um, but you, you join a very illustrious list. So welcome on in. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. So, uh tell us a little bit, Luke. Uh just let's let's get some plugs out of the way. I mean, for people that don't know you and I mean, frankly, if they're in my sphere of influence, they're probably in your sphere of influence, but for someone that has never checked out your channel, kind of give us what you do, what you're about, what you've done maybe in the game and just a snapshot of who you are as a Pokémon player. Uh well, as a player, I've been playing mostly casually on and off my whole life mm -hmm. going to you know a handful of tournaments a regional or two every year up until 2016 2017 season when i really hopped in there and started getting worlds invites and stuff like that day twos etc um as a content creator um i started off kind of slow in that 2016 2017 time uh i had a little bit of extra free time come into my hands and uh, I decided I was going to make playing Pokemon my top priority outside of family and school, which I've loved Pokemon my whole life, but I was never able to make it one of my top priorities before. Um, so I felt like I was in a place in life where I could, and I thought I was good, but never really had the time to dedicate to become great. Um, so I wanted to start a channel talking about Pokemon and stuff. Um, it started out with the kind of the things that people now know me for, even though it's not my frequent videos like the statistics and metagame analysis and things like that those only happen like once a month now but when i started mm -hmm. that's what i was interested in talking about and i figured i'm going to talk about these kinds of things regardless if people are listening or not so yeah i i figured you know why not upload them to youtube and see if other people feel like listening so when i started this thing out i just wanted to know you know a couple hundred views on some videos maybe have some people collaborate with me. It never was supposed to be anything massive. Um, I started it on a 2010 MacBook that can barely run. Um, I know that feel. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, and it's evolved into whatever Celio's network seems like it is to you today. Um, I put out, a, like, a mission statement because I got really inspired and really wanted to have like set goals and something to work towards yeah um, so i put out like a mission statement thing to my patrons and then on twitter and then made a youtube video just explaining what i 
what my channel to be, and if you're coming along for the journey, what to expect. And really, I just want to help more people um, access the game and yeah. allow more people to enjoy the Pokemon TCG in whatever aspect. Yeah. Um, hopefully, a major one of that in the coming months and years in my uh, in my content will be retro content because. I think it's just crazy to me that we all love retro decks and there's you know there's like four formats a year pretty much but mm -hmm. the only one we're ever creating content for is whatever standard on PTCGO and it just gets forgotten immediately. Yeah, and PTCGO is what's accessible, right? Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. like I said I've been playing Pokemon my entire life. I never downloaded PTCGO until January 2017 when I decided I was yeah. going to start making content because it just wasn't the same as playing cards to me, like real cards. Yeah. yeah. Um and that's what's most accessible to content creators and what's most accessible to viewers and I'm a perfect product of that. But now that I have a bit of a following, I have, you know, patrons supporting me, Twitch subscription sponsors. I can afford a little bit better equipment, which would be needed to make retro content mm -hmm. uh, since it has to be done with real life cards to be probably to be represented. Well, I decided I want to start trying to share that with the world and, you know, with the Pokemon community. And I think my biggest goal is like if I could bring people in to Pokemon through retro content, sure. the way that we are all bringing people into Pokemon through PTCGO. That would be just amazing. Like if people saw like my, yeah. you know, my deck profiles and how to play this format and battles between these old decks and people came into the Pokemon community because of retro stuff in the same vein that people come into like magic through commander or legacy, sure. Sure. then that would just be insane. So yeah, I'm trying to grow the community, help make it more accessible because uh, I think it's the best card game out there. So I want to share it with the world. Hey, I, I feel you in that for sure. I think Pokemon is that game because I'm a big I'm a big gamer. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a big game. I like board games. I like video games. Um, but Pokemon is the one thing that has kind of stuck with me for pretty much my entire life. You know, I played with my dad for like probably five years when I was little, didn't know that there was Toys R Us holding tournaments, didn't know that there were, you know, tropical mega battles that I could go to or whatnot. You know, I mean, yeah. there, there was a whole ecosystem that I had no idea about. And then I got into college and like, wow, there's, you know, insane amounts of gameplay that's happening at local leagues. And, um, you know, there's a regional tournament. Are you kidding me? You know, there's a world tournament. What the heck? And so, um, yeah, it's just carried over for so many years. It's the one thing that I really just can't get tired of, even though it's surprising, like the game just always is changing. Like you said, four formats a year, we're always getting new cards. We're always getting new ideas, new players that think about the game in new ways and uh, keeps it really fresh. So uh, a few things that I want to touch on here from your, uh, you know, discussion on retro content. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest, well, I, there seem to me to be two kind of holdups with this. The first would be the accessibility of the cards, but like you kind of mentioned, you know, commander and magic like also has that problem i'd imagine i'm not too familiar with what their card pool looks like in uh, that format but you know cards can get really expensive and we're seeing now just the price of cards skyrocketing um but the more important issue i would think with recording retro matches is your partner so hmm. who are you planning on playing these with that has an intimate knowledge or, or at least a workable knowledge of the format such that you can create the content that you want to create 
So um, I, I live at home. I live with my mom and my grandma. Um, and my mom has been playing the car game with me. Well, when I was like five or six, I guess, she bought me like the two-player starter deck that came with the first edition Machamp that everyone thinks is special now because it says first edition. Um, yeah. And we learned out of the rule, bo- uh, the rule book with that like on living room floor when I was like six or something. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you know, her and I played casually. I played with my friends casually when I went to their house, when they came to my house, started going to tournaments around 11 or so. Um, and then when I was in my last year of seniors, uh, she started playing in tournaments with me um, because she's just really competitive. She was like on sports teams in high school. She like likes watching competitive stuff. Mm-hmm. She gets when we're playing in like the limitless tournaments and stuff side by side. I have a second desk for her. She gets she has to like walk out of the room. She gets heated. (laughs) Um, But she loves uh, the Diamond and Pearl era. Um, She really likes Empoleon and she likes the Tyranitar card from Stormfront. So she was excited when I said I was going to start building those decks. And DP Block is what I'm starting with for my retro stuff. Um, So. Yeah, I have my mom home who's always wanting to play Pokemon cards. Um, but my friend uh, John Sunstrom, who recently started streaming, well, I guess about a year ago now, mm-hmm. uh, the Real Sunny Games. He lives about thirty minutes from me, and oh, cool. me and him have me and him have played since way back then, since mm-hmm. before the Diamond and Pearl days, probably. Um, and then a couple other friends that live in the area or close enough have played with me over the years. So I have a little roster of people who might be. Uh, coming over to record games with me at some point that'd be great yeah that's, yeah that seems like just such a big um hurdle right because if you if you live out in the middle of nowhere or uh, <laughs> you know your one friend is busy that night when you're trying to record like just seems kind of rough or you know they just don't have a knowledge of the format that also seems pretty tough yeah so, yeah so it seems like you have those bases covered now let's uh shift over to the the card cost so like you're getting you're promoting something that is you know we look at pokemon certainly standard format and i think to an extent expanded format as being very affordable uh card game compared to um pretty much any other you know Yu-Gi-Oh and magic i guess are the other two kind of benchmarks yes stand standard format is ridiculously accessible yeah like compared to other card games and compared to pokemon like five years ago it's success like it's it's crazy it's because of tpci yeah they're doing really well with it yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's been really nice to see uh, that for sure. And so I would imagine that you know there's kind of this kind of disconnect that some of the viewers might might see where you're oh you know uh, here's the standard format. Wow, it's so cheap. You know I can spend fifty bucks you know and get a full tier one deck or tier one ish deck. And then oh well here's here's this content creator who's saying hey this is really fun too. Uh, and his you know maybe one card in that deck costs $50. Maybe one card in that deck costs $100, you know? Uh, speak yeah. to that. I, I'm curious if you thought about that or like how how you just uh, are thinking about making that retro content such that it would be uh, enjoyable to somebody who, you know, the, the swath of people that are interested in standard. I have thought about that and I have a few, uh, a few answers and possibilities. Um, I did want to go to what you said about uh, Magic Commander because mm-hmm. um, like that's a I'm I'm not also I'm, I dabble in magic. Yep. I believe Commander goes back like to all the sets. I believe it's kind of like an eternal format with some bands, but it's singleton, so it's one card, uh, one copy per. Um, but I have seen people 
uh, fix that solution by having their locals or their leagues do commander nights that are a hundred dollar cost decks maximum. Like the decks have to have like a hundred dollars or less worth of cards in them, kind of like a pauper format. Yeah. Um, or proxies, you know, proxies is something. Um, but I. I started spreading DP block to a couple uh, coaching clients and patrons and uh, shout out Josh Chili. Uh, he um, he actually printed out like a handful of decks and has been bringing them to like locals or with friends and like teaching them how to play diamond and pearl block uh, just with proxies. And then like he's also building one or two with world championships and real cards. Um, but I plan on doing a video about like a short video about how to just like you know find a good site to put in a deck list to get proxies for how to print them out you know get yourself a paper cutter make them look even back up with basic energies get some nice sleeves so they feel like a real deck um mm -hmm. some kind of stuff that might sound obvious to you and me but just <clears throat> just as like a starter video, so in every video I'm talking about these retro formats or these decks, I can say, hey, and if you want to go see how to print out proxies, here's a quick three-minute video with links. Yeah. Um, so I have thought about that. Um, another thing is Diamond and Pearl is Diamond and Pearl Block, while being my favorite, is also probably the cheapest old format or like old format mm -hmm. uh, deck collection I can decide on. Okay. Uh, because they don't have stars, they don't have EXs, uh, they don't have the legend pieces. So it is more affordable than 2010, than RS through PK, than yeah. 2004, but <laughs> eh, the decks are probably around 150 to 200, some maybe 250 a piece. Sure. Um, so probably kind of like as much as a standard deck would have been five years ago or seven years ago before standard was so wildly accessible sure um but also i'd say if you get like a hundred more people into diamond and pearl block the cards are going to go up because there's just not that many cards to go around you know mm -hmm. like i think i've already cleaned out a lot of tcg player stores just from needing staples like ball toys and call energies and rosans and stuff so there's really not a lot of these cards to go around because a lot of people that have them are you know they want them they they're holding on to them um I was talking with some friends that, like, it would be great if, like, Pokemon ever wanted people to play their old formats and also yeah. make a profit off of it and, like, reprint world championship decks or just make, like, box right. sets of, like, the cards you'll need to play with the Diamond and Pearl era. Yeah, kind of doing, like, a Gold, Soul, trainer's, trainer toolkit type, but for... Yeah, or even, formats. like, um like the battle academy box but just fill it with like the cards you would need to play with decks from that era mm. um but i don't know if that's ever going to be something that's possible magic does do things like that to make their old formats possible to play like they do uh i, I don't know what they're called but they do booster boxes and the list of cards that are possible to pull in them has like a handful of cards from every set ever now it's, um, it seems like a great idea i i mean personally because i'm a pokemon training card game nerd like i'm like yes <laughs> that needs to happen like we need to go yeah. you know full steam ahead you know puka get on the line here you yeah. know, are listening um but then you think about just the the game design mentality and i know you've thought about that a lot and just like how different the game is now 
versus back then. Like it almost feels like if they were to do something like that, that they're not even pushing the same product. Yeah. In a I lot of ways. They did, right? I think if they did black and white on, like if they did anything with black and white on, that would be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's when they yeah. changed their design, their design philosophies. Pl- sure. Sure. So yeah. that would probably be fine. But yeah, no, that's a great point to bring up because <laughs> I mean, I do play Diamond and Pearl Block because it does feel like a different game, but in a good way. And yeah. that, like, that's why I do play it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think at the end of the day, they'd sell product because it's Pokemon on Pokemon. Well, cards. yeah, but like, I mean, I think the thing with Pokemon is like, they're not out here going like, man, how can we just sell a product? They could, they could throw anything out there. It's like, how do we yeah. sell the most product? you know yeah yeah no no that's a good point and that's that's a point that i uh i'm constantly reminded of because pokemon can do anything and they'll sell it you know yeah so um you know but i have hope for those kinds of things with uh i mean there's there's a nice team of people working at tpci these days that uh, a bunch of people that i know like you know like retro decks and enjoy the old formats and have a uh have a love for preserving the game kind of so yeah yeah we, we definitely was, need more of that. if it were sure. ever to happen i think it could happen well it's definitely a really noble pursuit i want to take uh branch the conversation off just a little bit we were talking about yeah. magic uh, maybe bring in a little bit of Yu-Gi-Oh. but um for me when i look at uh pokemon content creation um it is very difficult to make any sort of money um, you know, you look at the top content creators uh, for Pokemon trading card game. You got Andrew Mahone. Uh, you got, you know, you could maybe lump in, you know, Frosted Caribou in with that. Although sh- she does primarily, uh, you know, sh- she does do competitive content. That's not to say she doesn't, mm-hmm. but just primarily right. box openings. Right. And that's, yeah. I think, kind of what she's built the channel around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at like PTCG Radio who does primarily news like, and these are kind of the, the torchbearers for Pokemon trading card game. Uh, And certainly, you know, kind of this competitive Pokemon trading card game. So with that, they, you know, combined don't have, you know, like as many YouTube subscribers or, or Twitch subscribers or whatever it is as some of these, you know, kind of, large you know magic and and um uh, Yu-Gi-Oh communities and so my question to you is like with your leap of faith and your jump into full-time content creation why do you think Pokemon seems to lag behind those other two games in terms of just how much you know uh, attention is maybe given to it and why do you think that uh this is kind of a wise idea to to jump in at this point well um never said I know, it was it's, wise, I know. <laughs> well <laughs> yeah i know that's a pretty like broad question but uh, no, feel, no, no. feel free to I, tackle I it at question. any point yeah um well so magic pushes the game magic well magic just disbanded their pro tour whatever it was called which was a terrible idea anyway and could have this just derailed the entire esport of magic the gathering but um magic pushes for magic to be an esport magic cares about the numbers they're getting watching Mm -hmm. their big tournaments um hearthstone pushes for it to be an esport hearthstone wants it to be something Mm -hmm. that has tens of thousands of viewers watching um i don't know how far this goes up but or how far it goes down 
but I'm sure there's people at the top that don't care if Pokemon card tournaments get one viewer or 10,000 mm-hmm. because Pokemon's gamers are um, get, bringing such little revenue and I think so little time is given to how to push it. Because um, I always say, like, if I, I'm I'm in love with Legends of Runeterra's uh, layout. I'm not sure if you've ever tried Legends of Runeterra, but I think it's the golden standard for what an online po- uh, an online trading card game should look like. Now, mm-hmm. I don't tech- I don't love the game itself because I'm in love with Pokemon, yeah. and it's just it's just not Pokemon for me. But the game is so beautifully done, and I think if uh tpci or whoever's in charge of ptcgo uh could revamp it to look even like half as good as that does and you know market it to everybody sure like the pokemon franchise has just an incredible pool behind it Mm -hmm. that ptcgo i think would pop off uh just to the extent that these of two. magic and mm-hmm. hearthstone mm-hmm. and these others um and i i do think about that a lot and talk about it some either on streams or in videos or just in general chats with friends um but there's definitely somewhat of a ceiling right now with pokemon tcg excuse me tcg content creating with an emphasis on the g there of yeah. gaming because yeah. there's plenty of pokemon trading card absolutely content creators yeah but just not playing the game um and you know it's weird because magic is like five percent competitive players that's like who buys the cards about five percent of their cards are bought by competitive players right same thing for pokemon probably even less for pokemon but then whereas pokemon has this other 90 plus percent chunk of people that buy cards and have never sleeved one up to play in a deck that that huge 90% chunk for magic is casual players, kitchen mm-hmm. table players, families yep. that play, commanders that commander players that go to league and never even look at a single tournament result. Sure. So there's a lar- there's a much larger chunk of the population of magic cards actually playing with the game. Although more Pokemon cards are being sold, there's less people playing the game. Yeah, um, it, and so I think that has to do with why we see a, a bit of a smaller or a lot smaller rate of growth and viewership for Pokemon TCG. Yeah, it seems interesting though because I I and I don't know the exact numbers on this, but as I understand, the Pokemon circuit, you know, you look at the regional circuit, um, like pays out more than um, another level tournament in other games. So it does. Would think, yeah. Would you think that that like money would drive more people to play like that to me, you know, I had a comment in the chat, somebody saying uh, increased support for the competitive level would be amazing to, you know, increase um, the amount of people that play, but I feel like they have done that and there's still something missing. Yeah. I, I honestly think our numbers between regional championships and international championships in the past couple of years are just fine compared to magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff. I mm-hmm. think are the number of people that are going are fine. And Pokemon made an insane jump between being like, why are you even competing for these prizes six <laughs> years ago to, 
oh my god wait now the prizes are better than magic and Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah yeah and i you know and it's funny and i i won you know a regional both of those eras where one was you know basically a pat on the back and some packs and then the other one was you know five g's which got me through you know six months essentially you know it was insane so yeah so you've seen both sides yeah i have definitely seen both sides but yeah and um i i i've seen people switch over to pokemon when that happened when the prize support happened um i i heard people tell me you know i used to not play pokemon because there was no like prize support giving me a competitive drive but i liked it better than Yu-Gi-Oh. but now i'm back because there's money yeah um, things like that i've also on a different note heard that people think pokemon's more childish and yeah, yeah pokemon well, is by nature more childish. yeah yeah but, <laughs> but I, that I, doesn't mean it's less competitive right for sure and i mean i you know i would honestly argue though that like Yu-Gi-Oh is the same way though i mean it's it's for like children i think it's i think it says like children six and up like that that's their you know six and up right playing Yu-Gi-Oh yeah. at, at six like I I feel like they're very similar but it's just interesting to me um you know again you're coming at this where you're like you know what I want to go into full time uh Pokemon content creation and then you just look at kind of the landscape mm-hmm. and it looks I don't want to say it looks barren because there are you know a few a few peaks the the kind of three that we mentioned and then you could also maybe lump in like other um full time creators like maybe like Azul um for for full time and, and i'm sure there's a few others in there that I'm, I'm maybe not thinking of off the top of my head but um just a little more barren than what i might look at uh, even at a, like a casual search of like magic you know on, on youtube you know you see the the hundred thousand million subscriber channels like you know they're raking in a ton of views you know they're making that good money off their youtube channel and that's not even counting like what they have on twitch and so like what about pokemon and your voice and I, I hope this is not like again coming in like too hot, you know. But oh, no, like, what what about JW, what ready. about it makes you think that you can, um, you know, make it or or make it? I, I, and I don't know your level of like success. I don't know what you would consider success or what you would consider full time because that might be, you know, I'm doing it a lot, but I'm also like supplementing with a with a side job. Or I, I don't quite know what it looks like. But what, you know, what makes you want to take that leap? So. I want to take the leap because um, over over the pandemic, basically, I was full-time in graduate school, in internships, and also doing content. Um, and between my content and my sponsors, I felt like I was probably making about as much as I would have if I was doing a part-time job aside mm. from school. Yeah. Um, so in a month when I'm done with my internship and I kind of like make that unofficial switch over to being a full-time content creator um i'm basically gonna see if i can double down and turn that part-time income into somewhat of a full-time income Mm -hmm. um and i think like making it as a content creator would be that i can you know provide for myself with the income Mm -hmm. um but like I said, I also just got out of graduate school, so I'm yeah. gonna give myself some time to try this out because yeah. I think it, I think my channel has the potential, and I think the game is only going up at the moment. Um, especially expecting a pretty large surge when the pandemic ends or when when we're back to events, whatever it's gonna be. Yeah. Um, 
so you know if it doesn't work out i go back to just making videos for fun and i get a full-time job as a counselor yeah so yeah no for sure um, for sure it's a good like i feel like it's a good spot to be in um you know you specifically because i you know i'm sure that the overhead costs of living are maybe diminished because you know you live with family um and then you know you're you're younger like you're younger than me certainly and like you have this kind of you're not locked into like a, a commitment or a job um yet at this point and so you know there's a lot of things that certainly you know fall your way right when you look at this there's a lot of advantages that you have so um i wish you the best i mean you know obviously i think a rising tide you know uh uh, uh you know helps all ships right it, it lifts all ships so Absolutely. um so you know your success correlates i think to other success you know hopefully my success you know hopefully you just carry me to success yeah that's kind of yeah the, the goal. <laughs> that, that's what we're good that's what we're doing here that's why i'm here <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah if i, I uh if, if I, I didn't uh, think you could single-handedly just, you know, carry the podcast to, you know, unbelievable, you know, Joe Rogan numbers, I wouldn't have asked you on. So absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't have expected you to. <laughs> um, no, I was, uh, I was chatting with you a little bit before we started and told you that um, I had a talk with Andrew uh, from Tricky Jim for the chat about content and whatnot. And I was kind of saying the same thing, you know, like um, Andrew's like the ceiling for, pokemon tcg trading card game mm-hmm. like actually playing the game i look at him as kind of the ceiling yeah. uh, you know his channel does really well his twitch does really well um he puts out great content but i don't see anybody else touching that ceiling right now um and i don't i think if the people under andrew you know like azul myself you if we don't push ourselves to try to reach Andrew's ceiling, maybe his ceiling will never raise, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if if we're not all moving upwards, what what is there to compete with? You know, because I believe yeah. in success breeds laziness. And definitely not saying Andrew's lazy. I think his content's great. But he maybe uh, maybe there's, you know, maybe you're talking about like uh success, you know, breeds a lack of innovation, perhaps yeah, would be a better too. way to put it. Because if you don't see your competitors, you know doing things that are innovating maybe you're not thinking oh crap i need to do something cool now yeah um and i i I look at pokemon as a company in that way because there's nothing that can touch pokemon i feel like in the early 2000s late 90s maybe they were trying to uh compete with digimon but they definitely Mm -hmm. won that war Mm -hmm. um and that's that's kind of how i look at pokemon like oh if they're if digimon was still like uh threatening their <laughs> franchise as being number one maybe they yeah. would try a little harder with things but that's how i look at a lot hey, of don't, stuff and <laughs> don't speak too soon man there's there's that yeah. digimon card game yeah they're sure. making the rounds <laughs> um but i recently over the past month or two started listening to a lot of elon musk uh mm-hmm. speeches and i can quickly sound like an elon musk fanboy but um he he talks a lot about you know um if you're not failing and trying new things, then you're not really going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's when I like I started thinking like, okay, I could sit here and do these, you know, deck profiles and PTCGO gameplay and the meta discussion and get my a thousand views per video and mm-hmm. do pretty okay for a Pokemon TCG channel. Or I can start taking risks and trying to do new things, like the product reviews that I did for the Intellion VMAX League Battle Deck, which 
uh, that video popped off and I'm happy because people are commenting and saying they're buying the product. And that's what mm -hmm. I want. I want people buying these really great products that can help them learn how to play the game. Yeah. Um, trying to do the retro content that initially when I do this retro content, I'm expecting it to really bring down my views at first, you know, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm expecting to get a few hundred views on the retro content, but I'm going to, you know, take that and work harder on the next one and just, see what I can do to make these retro videos for new viewers, because I don't want to make retro viewers for the retro heads or retro content for the retro heads. Cause we already have that. Right. We right. have people yeah. like uh, Jay Hornung doing that. We have uh, the snow point cast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of, um, you know, a lot of sizable material out there for the people that know what they're doing, but there's maybe not as much material out there for somebody that's just trying to break into that setting yeah and like i was talking about my uh my coaching client josh who i got into the diamond and pearl block uh seeing him who had you know never touched it before mm -hmm. and now he's getting into it and getting a group of friends into it and they're printing out decks i'm seeing that okay maybe it's possible for someone who's been playing standard for six months to get into this and really enjoy something different almost play it as like a side card game sure so do you ever see yourself transitioning out of like a standard format realm and to do primarily retro content, or is that just going to be kind of an angle to your channel? Um, if I, let's say it blows up like in my wildest dreams, it would like, mm -hmm. you know, we get it getting like magic to gathering commander numbers. And at most I would probably make a second channel for the retro stuff or, mm -hmm. Uh, make my YouTube channel retro, but play PTCGO on the streams. But if that ever happens, I think it's a ways down the line. Yeah. Um, because I, I do enjoy talking about metagaming and like metagaming and deck building are my main joys in standard format right now. Cause I don't find the literal gameplay quite riveting anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but so I would definitely miss doing that. And I would want to still do that in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, um, I have one more kind of question on content creation before we move on to a few other topics. But For who sure. are some of your influences in content creation? I mean, you, you mentioned Tricky Jim and like, obviously, if you're a, you know, Pokemon TCG content creator, like, yeah, you mentioned he's he's the apex at this point in time. Um, yes. And and likely will be as long as he continues to produce the kind of content that he, he does. Uh, but yeah. who are some other influences either in side pokemon or i mean I, honestly i'm a little more interested in like outside of pokemon who are your content creator influencers yeah so i actually i'm probably not looking into the camera right now because i brought up my subscriptions on youtube so i don't forget <laughs> anybody um one of my biggest is um his name's alpha investments yes uh, that's his channel yes you I know do rudy enjoy, i do know rudy okay and I'm a Timmy, of timmy's mine. emporium yes i'm a patron yes. of his i uh i buy a case of magic some months from him um oh, nice uh throw it in the back wait 10 years yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right that's right that's right uh but yeah i've been watching him for probably more than three years now mm -hmm. almost yeah. as long as i've been creating content on celio's network and I started watching him because it was fun to watch him pull, you know, open packs and say crazy things. Uh, but what really got me into him was his videos about life and mm -hmm. his Q&As about how did you go from 
you know, a stockbroker at 24 to now you're a millionaire off of cardboard and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. a lot of stuff about, you know, following your passion. And, you know, he said, you know, I went away from magic time and time again, but I always came back to it. And I feel that way about uh, Pokemon cards. Mm -hmm. Um. So Alpha Investments, for sure, just with the, the work ethic he has, like he is either doing a YouTube video or shipping out product or buying product or inventorying it. Um, and I don't necessarily want to be like a buyer and seller, maybe yeah. a little bit on the side for fun, but that's sure. not what I want my full-time thing to be. Uh, but just like the work ethic and the way he was able to build and his build his emporium out of his knowledge of cardboard basically yeah absolutely um is yeah. really inspiring yeah i mean he's definitely put in the work and yeah you're seeing him make youtube videos every day um just the way he speaks like i have a lot of respect for people that just can speak off the cuff like he can and make it engaging mm -hmm. and make it exciting and yeah. make it a like consistent thread. Like he has a beginning, middle, and end to all of his videos, and he <laughs> yeah. does it every single day. And it's just so consistent, so good. And yeah, I, yeah, I, that's one thing that I admire about him for sure. So, what are some other creators that you look at and are like, oh yeah, I that's you know that's who I like, um, or I want to steal something from them, or I want to be like so them. Coincidentally, and I'm I'm pretty sure I've either sent you links or we, you know of them as well. But they also start with the same word, alpha gaming. You know Harris Heller. Oh yeah, Harris Nino. Heller. Sure, yeah. Okay, of great. So, not necessarily that he does any content that I want to do as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, similar to how I was talking about, I've been watching Elon Musk's speeches and how he, you know, if you're not failing, you're not trying, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I I really admire that Harris went out on a limb and paid tens of thousands of dollars to have music producers make these stream beat albums never knowing if he was going to make a cent off of them yeah. and now he brings in 150 grand every month from That's stream beat streams so crazy because he saw something that was not being done and every streamer was getting dmca striked and he needed they needed copyright free music that was also not boring mm -hmm. and he just filled that gap with like you know innovation and some background knowledge and music that he had yeah um, so I really like Alpha Gaming. Uh, Tricky Jim, obviously, Andrew Mahone, um, you know, he does a little of everything, and I love that. He, you know, he has some videos that are worthwhile for competitive people like you and I to watch. Mm -hmm. um, he has a lot of videos that are great for the newcomers. Um, maybe like a kid watching with their parent learning how to pilot a deck, or even, you know, somebody our age that is just getting back into it after 15 years sure um which is very good because we need high quality content for beginners he has box openings he has you know players cup gameplay he has retro stuff retro deck profile so uh, even cubing um so i love that andrew's able to have a ptcg variety channel and mm -hmm. keep it doing really well keep it doing yes. the best out of all mm -hmm. of them mm -hmm. because something that will happen is it's really hard to have a variety of content and keep your views up and consistent. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Andrew's like retro videos definitely dip in views, but they still do very well. Mm -hmm. um, so I admire that, that he's able to have videos where he shows off his passion with the old stuff or with cubing or those kinds of things, but also have the stuff that brings in a little more viewers and also brings in new people to 
uh to the stream or yeah. to, to the content. Yeah. One thing for sure that uh, I want to start doing more of that my, you know, in my kind of personal content creation journey is, you know, legacy videos. So what mm-hmm. does that look like for me? Uh, I haven't quite, you know, figure that out and I'm dealing with, you know, the move right now. And there's not a lot of time to actually like pour into a video. Um, the kind of thing that I want to do, but those legacy videos are so important. And that's, you know, kind of what has me excited about your um, retro content, because that's always going to be, you know, that that's as relevant now, like, you know, the format from 2010 is as relevant now as it might be in five years or 10 years, right? Because mm-hmm. that's all pretty static. And so do you have any other ideas for kind of how you would change your channel to incorporate maybe more of that legacy? Um, you know, you mentioned, obviously, Andrew's kind of mix of content anything else that you're planning with your channel like that um i mean it's all kind of connected but i decide that whenever i'm going to start recording gameplay for a retro era i'm going to do a short introduction to that format Mm. so right now i'm brainstorming and recording some b-roll and stuff for uh introduction to diamond and pearl through arceus Mm. uh, because i want to make this introduction video very very brief and easy to understand because this is kind of going to be hopefully like an evergreen video i'm not really posting it to get a thousand views in a day i'm more so going to be posting it so that i can link it to every diamond and pearl video that follows yep um so like oh you don't know what these cards do well uh make sure you go watch this short video to know the first turn rules the mechanics things like that Mm -hmm. um so i plan to do that for diamond and pearl and then plan to do it again for 2018 worlds which is another you know i it's not really a retro format but 2018 worlds is one of my favorite formats and i'm also building a collection of decks for that one as well yeah um but yeah so i plan to do the introduction videos and um just try to make this retro content as accessible and easy to watch as possible um because i definitely don't want to intimidate anybody in the first minute you know (laughs) yeah absolutely i think making making that kind of content relatable and uh easy easy to wade into you know you don't want to jump into the deep end you want to take the little you know step stool down into the water so absolutely i feel you on that uh well fantastic i'm really excited to see where the channel goes um i think right now you know yeah like you said there's a lot of people i think trying kind of some different things we're just seeing like pokemon explode in terms of just the cards in general and now it's kind of time for content creators to follow suit so I'm one thing sure. i forgot that i that when you said that i remembered um whenever events do get announced i think there is going to be a huge influx of people searching the internet for what to do with all of these cards they bought over the pandemic <laughs> because of logan paul or whoever yeah um and I want to make sure I have ideas and content ready for when that happens to help transition these people from, you know, yes. maybe being 20 years old and they bought a couple booster boxes for fun. But mm-hmm. now they hear that Pokemon holds events every two weekends at the major cities across the country. Yep. And I want to help transition those people into that. So I'm sure a lot of us are going to be doing that. Um, but just making sure I'm a part of that or that it's happening at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so with that, Luke, I'd like to transition into our card of the day. I know you have one that normally we pick older cards, but you said before the cast, you wanted to showcase something from chilling rain that you're 
maybe very excited about or you just like i i'm excited to hear what it is so luke take it away yeah. card of the day do you can i ask if you have a guess do you do you know the chilling rain set well i enough? mean well i i guess like are is it based on the art or based on the playability more so just the overall the design the feel of the card that <sighs> it, it might be playable it might end up being fringe great or somewhere in between but i yeah. think it's a little bit fresh is it is it a v pokemon no okay then i have no idea let's right, hear it so it is a uh, rugged helmet i'm gonna try to get my camera oh baby that's the one with the energy it picks the energy back to hand is that yeah, right let me see if my can i don't know my oh there it is on it but uh yeah so rugged helmet no way i'll read it i'll read it for the chat um it's a pokemon tool that you attach to uh one of your pokemon that doesn't already have a pokemon tool attached if the Pokemon this card is attached to is in the active spot and is damaged by an attack or even knocked out, put an energy attached to the attacking Pokemon into your opponent's hand. Um, so this, and also by extension, I think Tool Jammer from, mm -hmm. I think Battle Styles, Tool Jammer. Yeah, um, I think Tool Jammer was also um, kind of in the same feel as this. Uh, we mm. haven't gotten cards like this in quite a while. Or at least, in my opinion, cards like this in a little bit. I feel like cards were a little bland for like the first four sets of Sword and Shield. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this is a really healthy form of energy denial because your opponent can either choose to tech for it with Tool Jammer, Tool Scrapper, Greedent, um, or they can choose to play around it. You know, if they really want their energy there for next turn, they can just decide to pass. Sure. Um, and I really like to see cards that make the opponent have informed decisions because um, a lot of people really rant about power spray. Um, mm -hmm. What power spray for those listening or watching uh, is basically a card you could play on your opponent's turn to cancel one of their powers that they use. Yep. Um, or abilities. And well, I you know I enjoyed that card. I wouldn't be mad or thrilled if it came back but i see cards like this rugged helmet and like tool jammer the way that we have player interaction in pokemon tcg i mm -hmm. see that as like our comparison to like magic having instant speeds or you mm -hmm. having a trap card mm -hmm. um because rugged helmet is kind of like a trap card if you attack you're losing an energy and then maybe i'll marnie into your deck and it's not in your hand anymore um so i'm actually brewing some inteleon vmax decks with rugged helmet um I don't know. I just, I love the flavor of it, that it's energy denial that your opponent can play around. It's not something sure. you're doing on your turn. Uh, so it's, it's really, really unique in that way. And even if it doesn't end up being great, I don't think it's going to be like a card that you see in more than like one or two meta yeah, decks. Sure. It's going to sure. maybe work in Inteleon or maybe work in something else. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's a really cool card that if your opponent forgets about it or doesn't know what to do about it it could possibly make a skill difference in a game or could really make some nutty scenarios between the board so i yeah. yeah i enjoy this card and i'm excited to brew with it rugged helmet huh yeah i you know see i looked at that card and i said it's fine but is it better than you know i think you're always like asking is it better than you know some mm -hmm. other card right like is my yeah, 60 absolutely. the best 60 that you could so i'm excited to see what happens could be cool yeah. could be cool my plan <laughs> is that 
if you pair it with a VMAX with one energy, something yeah. like Intellion VMAX. Yeah, sure. You can Cheryl it every turn and not care. And then that rugged helmet's just sitting there getting extra value. So sure. in my mind, that's how it would be. Okay, how's this better than just playing a crushing hammer and flipping? Well, because maybe you can get multiple uses out of just one card. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's a great point. Well, excellent <laughs> card of the day, Luke. Excellent card of the day. Very interesting to see uh, and very interested to see what you're going to do with that card. So let's move on. We have our final topic of today. Again, I want to be very respectful of your time. Thank you again for uh, joining us this, uh, this oh, evening. But uh, we have a big tournament coming up in the Players' Cup 4. And I wanted to know some of your thoughts. What you're planning to at least test with, you know, of course, you know, with the money on the line and all this, you don't have to give give me what you're going to play, although it's going to be open deck list, but I digress. So what are some things that you're looking at as being kind of the, the cream of the crop as it comes to this format? Uh, and what are you leaning towards playing if the tournament were tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> I keep going back and forth between a... Uh between my opinion that was kind of expressed by a tweet last week or so, I quoted uh, Kevin Malone from The Office and said, uh, why, uh, something like, why do evolve Pokemon when Big Basic do trick or something like that? Sure. And uh, I, I don't know. Pico Ram is very good, JW. I, I completely good. agree. And it's so versatile and it can come back. Yeah. And that's, and, yeah, one of the you know, things. I love, I love Pico Ram. I, I used to despise Pico Ram, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, in the darkness of Blaze Meta, you're a hater, bro. It came to me, and I realized, you know, you can make, uh, you know, informed decisions. With it's this deck. it's one of the <laughs> I would say I would argue it's one of the, like two decks that and Luke Metal and like maybe Blacephalon, where you could like make an actual decision that would impact the game. You know, if you make a decision on turn two, it could actually impact the game on turn ten. Which like Eternatus, for the most part, you're not you're not really thinking right like there's a lot of other decks out there that you're just not really thinking about peek around absolutely is one of those yeah. that I, i'd also toss urshifu variants so. up there mm -hmm. rapid strike mm -hmm. urshifu mm -hmm. yeah on, on that note just to briefly go to the side then i'll come back um i i do think that people don't give enough credit for people winning with adpz and winning with eternatus and stuff like that because sure. you can definitely still throw the game oh <laughs> for sure you for know sure. like it's but and sometimes i say that like i'll be like oh it's so easy to play but i don't mention you can also make good plays with it yeah. i just wanted to toss that in no um, you you absolutely can <laughs> i mean then that is you know and that's not a knock on anyone because i played eternatus for a long time you know but yeah, i mean absolutely. but but the the level of difference that certain plays make in an Eternatus deck in the early game are vastly, I would say vastly different than, you know, there's still those, those slight differences, that gradient, but I would say the gradient is a little more colorful in the Picaram deck in terms of your choices that you make, as opposed to like an Eternatus in ADP, you know, that kind of thing. For sure. Yeah, so, absolutely. So you would say that you're leaning towards Picaram right now. You also mentioned uh, Rapid Strike as just being a deck that maybe has more options to it. So I, I would yeah, imagine, so you know, someone like you would, would want kind of, the breadth of options that something like rapid strike or shifu could provide yeah i uh depending on probably the hour you ask me in the past few days i've been either on chinchino urshi or pika ram at the moment okay um but i'm also my number three is jirachi urshi now it's not very much different than chinchino urshi uh they have a little bit different of an early game you know you're evolving a couple more pokemon but 
for the price of you get more draw power in the mid to late game. But then how long is the mid to late game actually lasting? So you kind of have to outweigh these things. Um, I played uh, Chinchino Urshi to the Limitless whatever on Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a short-lived event for me because I dropped after round three. <laughs> um, I, um, I will say... In my mind, you know, sometimes there's decks on paper that really seem like, why am I not playing this deck? And that deck for me for the past two Players' Cups has been Mad Party. And mm. for about three, four days, I was thinking, you know, Mad Party seems great. Yeah. Like the top decks are like Pikaram, Urshifu, this Urshifu variant. Um, you know, we got, uh, <laughs> we got a lot of just big Pokemon waiting to be one shot out there. Um, so why why not Mad Party? And then round one, uh, my mom and I both played the same 60 Urshifu Chinchino list, both played against a Mad Party, and we both beat it because Mad Party just had some trouble on it on its end. Yeah. And I remembered why I'm not playing Mad Party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um exactly. so that was that was helpful to me because uh, it really narrowed down my choices Saturday. <laughs> um and then um, I forget what else I lost to in round two. And then round three, I had one of the best, probably the best game of Battle Styles format that I played against Pedro Torres. We played a 59 card Chinchino Urshi Mirror. Mm. Um, and it was really close and it made me like Chinchino Urshi more. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I thought uh, the difference between he, him and him or me winning was like who didn't whiff an energy or who didn't whiff getting an extra chinchino on the board or things like that and things you don't have to worry about with picaram right you know with picaram it's like okay i got bolt ton in an energy we're probably good to go like there's a there's probably like an over 50 percent chance i'm winning this game because i got bolt ton energy <laughs> yeah right exactly um <laughs> so it's between picaram and urshi i also think luke metal is very good luke metal um, is very good I think Luke Mill's very good. I was practicing that against Rapid Strike Urshi today because, mm -hmm. like, I want to see, you know, if, if Rapid Strike Urshi with a Phoebe just can beat me just because they put in that one card, then I don't want to play Luke Metal anymore. But I do think it has more depth than that. It, yeah, it is a little deeper. It just depends on, I've found, just how quickly you can find that Phoebe, how quickly you can get attacking with the Rapid Strike deck. Yeah, and um, kind of chain the Phoebes into the Zamazenta. Yeah, exactly. So generally speaking, I feel like it's a favorable matchup for for uh, for for Luke Metal. But, yeah. you know, if, if you can outspeed with the rapid strike, then you're in a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, I think Urshi and Pika are probably like even if you're not playing it, I think everybody thinks they're two two of the best decks or the two best decks. Mm -hmm. um, I think Luke Metal is a great play, but I personally would guess that I'm not going to end up playing it. Um, although I do think it's a good deck still. Mm -hmm. uh, if if you're not comfortable with anything, ADPZ is always good because ADPZ goes into just about every single game with a chance of winning, uh, which is really nice to have if you don't feel like you have the call for a tournament. Sure. Um, Eternatus isn't really for me. Just maybe somebody will grind into <laughs> top 16 of NA with it. But it's I not, have no it's doubt. I have no <laughs> doubt. Yeah. Eternatus Hammers, that's another one where it's like, you know, it's it's kind of a high roll deck. But mm -hmm. uh, you're going to you're gonna slap around, you know, the people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring Pikaram, right? Like, you're just going to smack that deck. You're going to smack around the Mewtwo decks that, that show up. So that yeah, one absolutely. doesn't seem like a... Like I was a also... Thing. I'm glad you said that because I was going to forget. Um, Grass Mewtwo, Rillaboom Mewtwo, whatever it's called... Uh, 
Tord got to number one in the world playing that. He didn't divulge his list, but you know, <laughs> I said to one of my group chats, like, either the deck is good because uh. Tord, you know, got 160 rep with it, or the the deck is whatever, but Tord's insane. <laughs> so he right. got 160 rep. Right. Um, so I have played a little bit with the deck and I've played against the deck a lot on ladder mm. and tournaments. I think it's pretty good versus Pika and Urshi. I, I think it's legit. I, yeah. I think it's legit. And especially with the kind of decline in Crushing Hammer, just generally, I would say, um, you know, you, you're not really seeing ADP lists, at least from my experience playing Crushing Hammer. So that's certainly one archetype that's kind of moved away from it. Um, you know, you're more easily able to get that uh, Tropical Hour GX and just like, you know, demolish a lot of these decks that rely on those attachments, those extra attachments. So, um, yeah. And then it just so has so many Grass options. Mewtwo's good. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I thought Grass Mewtwo was going to be you know, good for a while. And then had played it in the players cup and like for a little bit and just didn't, you know, I was running into the, the Victinis and the, and the bless Ephelons. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, I'll put this away because fire meta and yeah, just not, yeah. not, not that great, but uh, good. So that would be, would you say that that would be kind of like that under the radar deck that you would, that you need some more testing with before you decide whether or not to play it? Or is that just something that you're kind of throwing out there that you're probably not really considering that much? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to... Yeah, Luke Metal and uh, Rillaboom Mewtwo, I'd say are decks that, at the moment, I'd bet money I don't end up playing it next weekend. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they're good, and I like. it's not a shock if people show up with them, and it's not a shock to me if they get through the first day of tour, uh, rounds. Sure. like I think they're really good. Um, Rillaboom Mew3, I'm, I, I'm trying to still realize what its weaknesses are because i know it has them mm -hmm. um i saw somebody in our chat mention that losing the coin flip uh really hurts it uh if it has to go first it that kind of hurts yep um and i definitely agree with that um if people are heavy on power plants or on the mimic you things like that um even the heal block mimic you which uh, Pedro played in his Urshifu Chinchino when we played our mirror recently, and I think Nico Alabas has played uh, Heal Block Mimic You in mm -hmm. his Urshifu Chinchino list as well. Um, if that's making the rounds, I know Igrel Mute 2. Uh, one of its strengths against me in my testing has been its ability to tag call out Malolana. Yeah. so much because it plays four tag calls typically mm -hmm. and also to tag call Guzmahala for stealthy hood to sure. stop the shadow box mimic you um so i do think it has some weaknesses i think it's a little bit harder than some of the other meta decks to play i definitely think it's harder than eternatus and ADPZ, oh absolutely but, mm -hmm. but not as hard to play as luke metal or picaron probably mm -hmm. um so it's in the middle there it does have somewhat of a skill floor uh, but yeah, I think it's a good deck, and if I see a top name piloting it, I they're not going to be scared. Surprised. Yeah, yeah, right. Sure, there you scared. go. Yeah. Well, not surprised and a little scared if I'm playing Picarana or Urshi. <laughs> <laughs> so la last question. I mean, Luke, how confident are you heading into this Players Cup four? I'm not familiar with how you performed in the last Players Cups, but um, are you feeling like you're you're set? Are you feeling like you've you've done your homework, or are you just feeling like you're scrambling at this point? I don't know because see the let me tell you JW the players cups have just not been for me. Players Cup two, uh, I didn't qualify. I think mm -hmm. I stopped playing with twenty keys left because Players Cup two 
was probably the worst mental I've ever felt with Pokemon. <laughs> was that when you released your is Pokemon a dead game video? Uh, Do you remember this? Yeah, no, I, I definitely remember that video because Jay Hornung asked for the link yesterday because he was going to make his own video on that topic, um, on like the that article. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. Okay. I, yeah, I don't remember, but that would be funny if like I didn't qualify for PC two and then I said Pokemon's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, PC2, I just got so frustrated with the volatility between matchups and decks and everything. Um, Players Cup 3, I qualified, and uh, me, my mom, and Danny Altavia all played the same 60 cent of Scorch. Mm. And I think me and Danny dropped by round 3, and uh, my mom got to top 16. I was going to say, yeah, your mom did pretty well, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. Um, so... I feel fine about metagaming and deck building. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I definitely got luck unlucky in PC3. I played against Bob Zhang playing Whimsicott Tool Drop. Mm. Uh, and I was playing Scorch. So I didn't have the luckiest of days. But in terms of PC4, um, you know, I'm not going in with any pressure on me. I I'm going in to have fun and compete in some Pokemon, you know. Um, it's not the same as real life, but I'm happy to be competing all the same. If I go in with Picaram or Urshifu, mm -hmm. I will be confident that I'm going to probably play to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll see what the matchups and the luck of the day gives me. Um, if I end up not playing Picaram or Urshifu, then uh, I might be in some last minute switcheroo <laughs> troubles. So. <laughs> Yes, but that I, is I, my that is my Achilles heel. Is switching at the last moment. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty yeah. good with either of the Urshi variants, and then also yeah. Pika Ram uh, myself as a player. But then it also decides, you know, the, did fifty people decide to bring the Sidewide today? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, you can never tell with that kind of stuff yeah. for sure. Well, good. It uh, wish you the best of luck, Luke. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Um, competing should be should be great. Should be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, this was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for sitting down with me here on Tag Team. Uh, I hope our listeners uh, really enjoyed the episode. If you guys did and uh, you want to support Tag Team, please make sure to leave a comment on your favorite podcasting platform. Give us a five-star review. That really helps us uh, get boosted into that algorithm, helps more people see our content and um, certainly you know helps grow the podcast. So Luke, uh, any final words before we hop off here today? Not really. Thank you so much for having me, JW. Everybody that's listening, uh, you can find me on at Celio's Network on YouTube and Twitch. And, um, you know, if you have friends that are looking for a card game to get into, it's never been a better time to get into the Pokemon TCG. So many great pre-built products, so many easily easy-to-buy products that are coming out to help you play the game. So, uh, yeah, hope, uh, hope I'm around doing Pokemon TCG content out here for a while and uh thank you for having me on jw of course great episode thank you guys once again for listening i'll talk to you next time here on tag team peace